What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Gusnov Show. So I wanted to comment on a a trend I've noticed in current media and stories and film and television and such. I guess from the 1960s to today. But... Essentially, I think it follows the the form that stories take. And I think that every single movie that we see in the mainstream, every single story we see in the mainstream, the quote-unquote good guy always wins. The... You always have a happy ending, you know, and if it's bittersweet, you know, you know, the the right guy always wins. The right side always wins. The good thing always happens. If you look at you look at any any movie, any movie, any movie, you'll see this. For example, I'd say the most recent Batman movie. Forgot exactly what it was called, but. You know, the most recent Batman movie. I think that this is the most blatant example of of this happening. Right? So, in this movie, at the end, the, you know, the bad guy, the Riddler, he's going to plan like a massive, you know, assassination and terrorist attack on the... I don't know, the election of the mayor mayor or something like that. And he's a, you know, all these gunmen are in this, uh, you know, in the, in this stadium. And then they basically do nothing. You know, they wound the mayor and then all of them get taken out by Batman, right? Which, you know, it doesn't really make much sense. It's kind of unrealistic. You know, there, there aren't really any stakes, you know. In, at the end of that movie, you know, nothing really bad happened. You know, it doesn't really show anyone. No one really died. You know, m- maybe someone died in the flood that happened or or whatever. But, like, you know, no one really died. You just had, like, an inconvenience. You know, that, that, was, that was the end of the movie. You know, oh, you know, there was an inconvenience, but Batman saved everybody. Right? There was no tragedy. It was a happy ending. Right? There's there's another movie. Uh, well, yeah, I don't want to spoil that one, but there's, I guess, let's look at another movie. What's a movie that's technically maybe not? I mean, let's look at Heat, right? The movie Heat. In the movie Heat, right, the main character, I would argue, you know, was it Robert De Niro, the the master thief guy? He ends up in a shootout with, was it, Al Pacino or something like that. And, you know, the main character, he dies. Oh, wait, isn't that a tragedy? Isn't that something bad happening? Uh, but no, 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 no. That's actually a happy ending because, you know, Al Pacino, the, Al Pacino, the detective guy, he, you know, he ends up winning. And, you know, it's the good guys winning over the bad guys, you know. 
and and this is just a, a constant trend that we see. The quote, good guys always went out over the bad guys. The bad guys never get any get away with anything. There's always justice that's done by the end of the movie. And any tragedy that happens isn't really much of a tragedy at all. Or there's always a silver lining or it's always, you know, a happy ending. I don't think I've ever really seen a mainstream movie, you know, that wasn't some art flick that had a sad ending or was a tragedy. Everything in, in the classical definition of a comedy, everything in the last you know, several decades has been a comedy of sorts in, in so far that, you know, it's been a, it's had a happy ending. It's had an upward or positive spiral to it. And, and I think a lot of people, they assume, you know, this is how things must be. This is how stories must be. This is the nature of stories. But no, 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 no. This is only one type of story. And honestly, I think it's really overstayed its welcome. And it's becoming a, uh, you know, I think we're realizing, you know, it's, I don't know, if, if you rely too much on this story archetype, it really loses its value. But we're really neglecting another form of story, which is the tragedy you know, which doesn't have a silver lining at the end, which doesn't have a happy ending, but it shows, you know, how the flaws of, of characters lead to their undoing. And it's not an undoing that's, oh, it's actually not an undoing. It's actually not a tragedy. You know, it's actually not a sad ending, you know, because everything worked out in the end. No, 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 no. The, the forgotten art of the tragedy doesn't pull its punches. It's not something where everything is happy at the end. It's where the flaws permanently lead to the the character's undoing. And it's not just something you can, you know, shrug off. Like Hamlet is the perfect example of this. You know, Hamlet is the perfect example of a tragedy, right? It's it's a it's a play it's a beautiful play that shows how, you know, the quest for, for vengeance over everything, you know, and, and power lead to everyone's undoing. You know, everyone, pretty much everyone dies in the end. And it's not like, oh, you know what? Oh, everyone dies. Everything's okay. It's like, no, everyone dies. And it's sad. You know, it's tragic. Truly, it's tragic. I think there's some there's some short stories by Hawthorne, Nathaniel Hawthorne. I think there's one where it's um was it the the birthmark or something like that, but there was a scientist that you know, I think he had a wife or something like that and there was like she was perfect except for this like one birthmark. And then he did everything, he like created like a potion or an elixir or something that 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 you know, got rid of that. And then, you know, then she was perfect. But then she died, right? And, you know, you know, and it was, it was tragedy. You know, it's not like, oh, she came back alive again. No, she died. She didn't come back. And that was the end. And it shows, you know what? Like the, you know, the, 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 the dogmatic pursuit of perfection within your individual life, you know, 
leads can lead to your undoing, you know, can lead to tragedy. You know, perfection in, 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 in material and physical things, you know. Unnaturally. But but these these are classic. These are these are, you know, truly classic and truly, you know, deeply artistic forms of storytelling that have seem to have been completely forgotten in the modern day. You know, the the the, the concept of the tragic story. And my theory for why that is stems from who the boomer generation is. Now, we could go into the boomers and like the the psychology of them and, you know, dissect it all, but to keep things short, the boomers existed on the peak of, you know, civilizational wealth in terms of humanity, right? The boomers were the richest generation. They had the most opportunities, you know, they, they were essentially, you know, get, handed everything on a silver platter. And, and they were also, I guess, fed a narrative about who they were. The boomers, they, they thought of themselves as the beginning of a new humanity, in a sense. That, you know, the new creation story was World War II. And from the ashes of World War II... You know, they, the boomers were called to create like a new world. So they ended up interpreting everything that happened to their, them and their generation as, you know, being extremely profound and deep. And they also saw everything as, you know, a progression, you know, in a, in a Hegelian sense. And, and th- this is, this is also to a large extent due to the fact that the boomers, you know, as a reaction to, I'd say, Nazism and the, the, you know, the ideologies of the early 20th century and the late 19th century, you know, they, they ended up fully, or at least, you know, on a, on a subconscious level, adopting the tenets of Marxism or, you know, you know, early 20th century Leninism. And and for for years before this is this had been you know a growing ideology that everyone viewed as being you know this is the scientific way of understanding reality this is the true way of knowing things this is the ideology of the future right and the boomers were the ones who finally you know adopted it they said you know what religion is stupid you know we need to look at everything through you know materialist lenses you know as Marxists kind of look at look at things through you know dialectical materialism we need to you know we need to abandon these old outdated systems and we need to adopt you know the hegelian understanding of humanity wherein everything is a progression everything is going in a positive direction you know which isn't really true you know some things improve but humanity is cyclic you know people you know people get moral and the people get depraved and decadent you know there isn't a there isn't a trend towards you know becoming better and better and better as a human as the human species 
the human species gets better and then it gets worse and it gets better and it gets worse. And this is a cycle that has continued since the dawn of humanity. But boomers, because, you know, they were so rich, because they saw so much progress in their time, they they assumed that this is how humanity was going to keep going. And they assumed that, you know what, wow, we have such an advanced way of understanding reality. We are, you know, the new, you know, we're the new progressive generation that has abandoned the shackles of the dark ages of our, our previous, you know, generations before. And we can make the world a better place, right? And in doing so, they, they assume that, you know, the way that history operates is on a, you know, it's like a positive, everything is on a positive direction. You know, it's basically identical to the way that Star Trek views reality. Star Trek, they, they understand reality as just a, as something that, you know, keeps getting better and better and better. Like, you look at, like, Picard or the Enterprise or, or what do you call it, the original Star Trek, and they always say, like, Oh yeah, back in back in your day in the 20th century, you did barbaric things like fighting wars and da da da. da. But we've outlawed wars and we've outlawed this, and you know we no longer practice that barbarism. It's like that's kind of how boomers think. They think that you know what? Oh yes, in the past people were savages, but now we're cultured. You know, and and this this trend, this arrogant trend, is. You know, it's, 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 it's completely false. And it's, uh, it's, it's, we've seen it many times before in history. Like <laughs> people in the industrial revolution thought this way about medieval peoples, right? But at the end of the day, humanity doesn't really change. Humanity still has the same nature, but anyway, this isn't really what we're debating or talking about, rather. The point is, boomers thought that, you know, everything is striving towards a, a better future and everything is going in a positive direction and humanity is getting better and better and more moral and more moral. And they also thought that you know, because, you know, the Allies beat the Nazis in World War II and because the Allies won in World War I and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da and, you know, because the Union won in the Civil War and because the Americans won in the American Revolution, you know, every single conflict, in every single conflict, the good guys won. So the boomers thought, you know, you know, adopted the really naive idea that, you know, every, it, it, the victors will always win. The victors will always win. Good will always prevail. And history is constantly progressing in a positive direction. And with these assumptions, I think we can see it very clearly echo in all of the media that come comes from the boomer generation, you know, the Gen X generation, the millennial generation, because they're all kind of offshoots of the same ideology, you know, 
and, and, and a lot of people, they say, oh, yeah, the millennials are so, you know, arrogant and ideological and da-da-da. The thing is, the millennials and the Gen Xers are both, and even, even you know, the really radical Gen Zers, they're all just extensions on the same boomer archetype, you know. And boomers often say, oh, you millennials, well, they're just crazy. It's like, no, they're just you know, hyper you, you know, millennials are hyper boomers. (laughs) The crazy Gen Zers are hyper boomers as well. But anyway, that's kind of an aside. But the, the point is that the media created by, well, mostly boomers and Gen Xers, has been one where the ruling theme, the meta theme behind everything is that good always prevails. History always goes in a positive direction. And, and you know, there, there's a constantly progressing morality. You know, it's a very progressive, progressivist, however you want to say it, ideology meta ideology that's been, you know, interwoven within, well, it's not even interwoven, it's, you know, the core meta message of, of, of all the media that we've seen today, right? I mean, I challenge you guys to find, you know, more than, you know, just a couple handful, like a one handful of, of, of movies that is, you know, a tragic, you know, and not tragic in, in a, Oh, you know, things are actually okay, but like truly tragic in a Shakespearean sense, in a, you know, in a 19th century sense. I'd say that you'd be hard pressed to find multiple, you know, commercially successful, true tragedies. And and I would also say this, in, in the instances you do see true tragedies, they're very politically minded and they still have the same meta objective. Like, let's say there's, there's some tragedy where, you know, an innocent man is killed on death row or whatever, you know, what that's feeding into is the boomer ideology of, you know, there's, there's so many things that, you know, there's so many things we still need to progress in. There's so many things we need to improve as society. And you know what? The, the past is evil and the future is good. That, that's, that's the core idea. I, I think that's a better way to simplify it. The past is evil and the future is good. And by, by showing, you know, oh, wow, some innocent person got killed on death row. You know, it's still feeding into this past is evil, future is good mentality because it's saying, you know what, oh, well, the fu- in the future, we'll abolish the death penalty. Because every single time when you have a tragedy like this, It'll show, you know, it'll show the people in the audience, you know, oh, no, they're actually regretting the decision to kill the guy, you know, on death row. And they're regretting the decision to do this and they're regretting that, you know. And in a way, it is kind of a comedy. It is kind of a, 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 a happy ending because it shows, oh, some, some, you know, something terrible happened, but people learned from it. But people learned from it. So... Like if you really dig deep, I'd say that it's very hard to find any 
non or anything that isn't a tragedy in the modern day. And I think as I've as I've pretty clearly laid out, the reason comes from this very warped boomer ideology. And and I guess on the surface level, this has led to very, you know, shallow and mediocre film And I guess one step above that, the purpose of media, the purpose of literature, the purpose of art is to teach us lessons about reality so that we can understand it on a more intimate and deeper level. And when all of the, I guess, you know, all the artistic meaning you know, stems from a really, you know, childlike and, you know, delusional understanding of reality. You know, there's going to be not as much artistic merit to what's being produced now than there was in the past, right? But I don't know. On the occasion, though, on the occasion, I guess this might be contradictory to what I just said, but on the on the occasion, you'll see something that approximates a tragedy. And what I mean by that is I, I don't think I've ever seen like a true, true tragedy or I can't really recount one off the top of my head, but I've seen some that are like pseudo tragedies wherein the ending is undecided. That's actually a very boomer understanding of things too, because... You know, the boomers, they grew up in nuclear war conditions, you know, like, oh, everything is, everything is hinging upon, upon, <clears throat> excuse me, everything is hinging upon, you know, whether or not the U.S. and Russia will go to war. And they didn't really know. And they were always kind of on edge and, you know, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. And I think you, you do see, especially in the horror franchise, undecided endings where things are, you know, comedies to an extent, you know, things, you know, go poorly, but like, you know, it's a happy ending to an extent. And at the end, it's kind of a, oh, maybe it's not a happy ending. Right? Like, let's look at the end of Alien. Right? I think, well, let me think, let me think, was it Alien? I think I'm, I think I think I'm kind of thinking a little too deeply in the Alien franchise. There's like Alien Three, Alien. That was a comedy because everything ended up good at the end. The Thing, that was kind of a, a pseudo comedy or pseudo tragedy, right? The Thing because at the end, you know, everyone dies, but the guy sur survives at the end, right? So it's a comedy because you know things worked out. But it's a pseudo tragedy because, oh, he meets the other guy and maybe the guy is, you know, the monster. Maybe he's not. Da, 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 da. Right. But it's still not really a complete tragedy. It would be a tragedy if, you know, the monster killed him. That would be a tragedy. And it would be a true classical tragedy if the monster killed him because of a flaw in his character or in his being or, or whatnot. Right. And that's, that's, that's a deep, that's a deep thing, you know, but, but 
well, I guess another reason why everything is a comedy today is because, you know, it's everything is very commercialized. Everything needs to be, you know, sold to people to increase their dopamine, right? In the past, people read, you know, poetry, not to just, you know, feel good, not as popcorn, not as sugar. They read poetry to, you know, deepen their souls, you know, to become better people, become more well-rounded, to understand reality better, you know, like look at Poe's writings, look at, look, look at, gosh, look at Hawthorne, look at, look at, uh, Blake, You know, the, the, this isn't just a simple, you know, art should not be just simple. It should not be just something that's, you know, oh, it's enjoyable to read. It should be like, you know, challenging. Not like, oh, it's, you know, it's indecipherable, but rather it's like, you know, it has challenging ideas. And, and it's, you know, it's not just something you can say, oh, yeah, I understand that completely. It's like, no, you got to think about it. The thing is, modern movies are not designed for people to think about. They're designed to, to you know, for people to feel good about. Because commercially, directors have, a, have an incentive to ensure that, you know, they don't have their name tarnished. Because, like, if someone, if it ends in a tragedy, if you had, like, a true tragedy in a modern movie, then, then the audience would probably get really upset. And they'd be like, oh, it, it, it was a tragedy and it was sad at the end and I don't want to watch this new director, right? Or at least that's how the boomers and Gen Xers would think. I'd say that millennials and Gen Zers, I think they're kind of reversing the, the the poetic trajectory of how things are going, but the verdict is still out on that. But, I don't know. The thing is, when it comes to aesthetics, when it comes to high art, when it comes to, you know, class and culture, you, it, can, it cannot be democratic. You know, democracy as it exists today is the rule of a society by, you know, you know, the lowest common denominator, you know, the bottom 50%, you know, and the bottom 50%, you know, that's IQ 100 and below. And IQ 100 and below is like not smart. <laughs> it's not smart at all. Um, and and you're, you're, you're running your society by people who are, you know, easily manipulatable IQ 100 people. And that's not to say everyone who's, you know, lower IQ is, is like that. You know, I'd say that there's a lot of lower IQ people who are very principled and very righteous, you know. But on the whole, you know, it's a more easily swayed demographic. And that's how you're running your society. So when, when you're making movies, when you're making art that's targeting the lowest common denominator you're not really going to be creating great art. You're going to be creating art that, you know, people already agree with, which means it's not really art. It's just popcorn. Art pushes the dialectic of humanity forward. It makes people think. It makes people understand things deeper, right? It's not something that just, you know, oh, I agree with that. You know, if you agree, if you watch something you agree with, I mean, there's probably not as much you really get from it. It would need to be something that, you know, where you think about it, like, hmm, I never thought about it like that. That's a interesting concept. That makes me understand reality on a deeper sense. That's what art should do. It shouldn't be just something that's like, oh, yeah, that was a thrilling experience. 
you know, if, if that's all art is, then it's missing many of its major points. But, I mean, the commercialization of art, especially in movies, has led to this. And in doing so, the, the value in, in the narrative and the poetics of especially film today have fallen off and have, to a huge degree, bowed down to the you know, unconscious beliefs of the major generations of the boomers and Gen Xers and to a lesser extent millennials and Gen Zers, you know, just towed, you know, bowed down to those, you know, just fallacious assumptions instead of challenging assumptions about reality or saying something new and thought-provoking. You know, for the purpose of, you know, pleasure and and hedonistic comfort over true artistic value and merit. But I don't know. That's that's my that's my <clears throat> take on this. But I, I definitely think that that if you if you watch more videos, if you watch more movies, you'll definitely see this. And well. I don't know. I'd like to see I'd like to see some some like actual classical tragedies. Cuz I don't know. Those those are pretty deep. Those are pretty deep. Also, one one final point. It's disappointing when a when a movie looks like it's going to turn into a tragedy, you know, it's right up there to the end and then and then it just turns into like a complete comedy, you know. Is that just that just shows me that the artists are you know, they want, you know, they're yearning for, you know, a deeper sense of, you know, you know, a deeper artistic vision. But then due to, you know, external forces that we partially talked about in this episode, I guess maybe they're not allowed to. Or maybe they're so indoctrinated into the latent beliefs of the culture that they, you know, you know, they're letting their creative artistic side of their brain, you know, roam free. And then they realize, oh, wait, I got to conform to the actual structure. Maybe that maybe that's how they think. But anyway, anyway, anyway. I yearn for high art again. I wonder and I hope I hope more people do, too. Also, I don't want to sound pretentious. I'm just trying trying my best to, as deeply as possible, go into these underlying causes. But if you disagree or if you have a different take, feel free to DM me on Goosenov or email me at quantumsnov at gmail.com. But thanks for listening and share this podcast with your pod of friends. <laughs>